Hello, sir. How are you feeling? Good, good. How you doing? I I'm fine, man. Let me just start by, by, by giving you the proper intro introduction. The former underboss of the most powerful mob in the world, the Gambinos, Sammy the Bull Gravano. I have to give it up to you, sir. Uh, there are people who are, who are at the top of their profession in sports. People I interview, like Chris Rock, who at the top of their game in comedy. You were at the top of the game in what you did. There is pretty much no higher that you can go. I, and on top of that, I also want to thank you because there are only a handful of people who have, have even been able to sit down with you. Uh, I know Diane Sawyer was one. Patrick Ben David was another one. Um, I'm not sure, but I think I'm either the third, fourth. There's a handful of people, so I thank you for that. I thank you for that very much. I, and, and, My pleasure. and I really appreciate it. My pleasure, Bo. I'm just a little tired. I've been working hard. Uh, we put out our uh, podcast on uh, Wednesday. We're just doing phenomenal. We got a couple of hundred thousand hits on, on our show where we put out uh, our videos. We got, I think it's four and a half million hits today, as of today. Mm -hmm. Really going good. I had to put everything on the side. I had to tell them, listen, I'm going to talk with my man. That man, uh, Scoop, uh, so I got to get on the phone, bro. Thank you, thank you. I'm going to tell people, so just so that you understand what the metrics are here, in the, in the, in the almost 35 hours that this thing has been on, on, on as a podcast, in the top 10 in, in, in Apple Podcasts. Also, SammyTheBro.com slash links. If you go on YouTube, all you have to do is go on YouTube and search Salvatore the Bull Gravano. I'm going to tell you about this Art Thing podcast because I listened to it yesterday and today. It's like a television show. As, as he's telling you the stories, you hear music. You hear certain things in the background that makes your mind feel like you're there. It's like one of the, the most... The, the most well-done podcast, and I called your son, and I said, I'm, I, I told him, I said, I might have to wait until episode 10, because I got to hear all of them. For example, on the first podcast, you left us with a cliffhanger, and I was like, wait up, hold on. They took you there? They took you to that prison? And, 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 and I was, I'm, I'm waiting for the next one. They said, I got to wait two weeks until 2021, so I have to wait. Let's start, let's start here. The hit on Paul Castellano, 35 years ago, correct? Yes, yes, it was. What, what? Same, same time, same day, December 16th, 35 years ago. 35 years ago. They, you said it was internal. Why was it done? Well, there's a whole bunch of reasons. Paul made a lot of bad moves. Then uh, Angelo Ruggiero and John Gotti got caught with tapes and stuff, and they used those tapes to bug Paul's house. And Paul was going to take them all out, and we sat down, and some of the guys, Frankie DeChico, myself, Joe Piney, some other guys, and uh, we had a decision to make. Let him take out John Gotti and Angelo Ruggiero and that whole crew, or do we take him out, take it over, try to put it back to what it was, 
stuff like that. And there was a lot of things he did. It's a long story. It'll be on my podcast mm -hmm. as we go through. You know, I'm gonna. I, I started that. You know, I, we done so well with so many people watching it. They were begging me for the for the podcast to come out. So we put that. What you heard. That's season one, episode one. We left a little cliffhanger there. Oh, so. listen, listen. <laughs> when you said, and, I, and I'll give you a little piece of it, people, they were transferring him from one place to another. Now, the place that they were transferring him to is a place that when you hear that name, you go, wait up. That's not possible for them to take him there. When they took you to that location, were you actually scared? No, no, no. It, it, it's, a, it's a military base, and it's Quantico. It's the headquarters building for the FBI. So they took me in this building. It was about four, four stories, five stories high, and the place was just completely jam-packed with agents, you know, agents who were training to become agents. Mm -hmm. There was tank trails, and I would get up in the morning and run on the trails with teams of agents and stuff like that. So it, it was pretty safe. But, uh, you know, I wasn't worried about being safe. I was, you know, more concerned with that. What I had just done just changed my life forever. I knew that. So it was a little depressing, to tell you the truth. But, uh, you know, it was, you know, I've been in the military when I was a kid. I drafted during the Vietnam War. So I was in the military, but this was a Marine base, and the FBI's headquarters is right in the middle of that base. And it, um, it was cool. Is it, is, it, is it the CIA over there as well? Is it the CIA over there? I, I, really, I don't know. I really don't know. I don't think their headquarters is there, but they might have these training things. You know, that's all secretive. You don't know where these people are going and training and doing shit. But there's a lot of training going on there, that's for sure. All of these guys who became, you know, agents, and now they're going through this training course. So there could be CIA guys there. I don't know what's there, to tell you the truth. Okay, so, so uh, because I don't want to give away the story of the podcast. I want people to listen to it. I want them to go watch it and consume it on YouTube. YouTube.com, search Sammy the Bull, and you'll get it right there. You're going to see it. It's the Art Thing Podcast. I'm, I want to understand you. What what got you into being in the mob? What, what, made, you, what made you do it? You know, I come out of a neighborhood that was a tough neighborhood. It was saturated with mafia. I was in a gang as a kid. Then I went into the military. When I got out, I went right back into the gang with my friends. At the age of 23, you couldn't do nothing in the neighborhood unless you were connected. You know how it is. Mm -hmm. And uh, so at 23 years old, I hooked up with a friend of mine's uncle, who was a heavyweight in the Colombo family. This guy, Shorty Spiro. I had a conversation with him. He was a real tough guy, ex-fighter, you know, real... And he was a, like a legend at that time, in his own time. So he had talked to me and he said, listen, Sammy, you're a tough kid. You're too tough. You're going to throw a punch somewhere where we don't belong. You're going to get killed. You're with us. You'll belong to our family. You'll be one of us. And uh, he says, I'll never lie to you. I'll never backstab. That was music to my ears. And I shook his hand and I went into the Colombo family. That's where I actually started.
Right. And years later, I got transferred over to the Gambino family. And uh, at age 31, I became a made member in the Mafia in the Gambino family. And uh, I did my whole younger life. I was dyslexic and uh, school just wasn't my thing. I never even got out of, I never got into high school. So I was just a thug, I guess, all my life. You know, it's like I have did construction in a lot of areas, uh, ghetto areas and stuff. And it's the same thing. It's not a black ghetto, but it's a white thing. But it's the same thing, same principle. People deal with drugs, fights, murders. So it was part of the life in the neighborhood you come from. So right, and it right. breeds, you know, it breeds that environment. So, so you go from being dyslexic to being a man who runs construction companies, other business ventures, how does that work? How, how were you able to pick up all of that information, be able to be a businessman on that level, and, and, and be basically can't, can't read or whatever? Well, I mean, I was able to read a little bit. I get the, the words get tangled up to me, and numbers get tangled up. So when you have certain problems, other things develop in you. So I could visually learn. See, they didn't know what it was back then. They just thought you were stupid. But I wasn't stupid. It just it was, I had a learning disability. Mm -hmm. But if I see something or talk, if I talk to you, I can listen to you. I understand you. I learn from you. I, you know what I mean? It, very easily. Uh, but when it comes to a book, I once grabbed a guy and he had a uh, a little piece of paper. So I said, here, read this. So he read it. I said, you see, is that nice and clear for you? Yes. So I took another piece of paper. I just scribbled. I said, read that. He said, it's all scribbling. I said, when I look at the paper you just looked at with the writing, that's, right. Right, that's what it looks like to me, bro. You know, so he understood it. Now, 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 you get into the mob. What's your first experience in the mob? Is it, you know, because people like us, we think the first thing you do is kill somebody, or the first thing you do is something crazy. What was your, your, your? How how did you get broken? Well, I did my first murder in the Colombo family. It didn't happen right away, but it. Uh, when I went into them, they had just gotten done with the Gallo Profaci war. A lot of guys, it stopped because a lot of guys went to prison and everything. So when I hooked up with them, it was nice and calm. And a short time later, guys were coming out of prison. The Gallo War started again. And Shorty told me one day, he says, Sammy, go home and get some clothes. We're going to hit the mattress. It's not like today with the movies. I didn't even know what he's talking about, hit the mattress. So I said, what are you talking about? He said, uh... You're going to live with us. We're going to stay together. We're a pack of wolves. We're fighting the gallows. They're a pack of wolves. They're going to try and kill us. We're going to try and kill them. And we're never going to leave. So I said, I got a couple of guys owe me money. He said, don't ever talk to me about money again. They're paid. They're not, they're not paying you. You're not going near them. So I said, but I mean, what? They, they're never going to pay me? He said, no. Because when you leave out this pack of wolves, 
you're going to go looking for your money and you're going to go meet the guy every Tuesday. They're a pack of wolves too. They're going to see you. Sooner or later, they're going to be waiting by that guy's house and they're going to kill you. Same thing if you want to go with a girl. You got a girl, a little sweetheart you want to go. They'll see you straight from the pack. Sooner or later, they'll wait for you and they'll kill you. You got to stay with the pack. You want to go get laid, go to the bathroom and jerk off. As far as money, we'll take care of you. We'll, you, we'll feed you. You'll have clothes. But you're going to stay with us 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That was a lesson I learned at a fairly young age. And I just walked right into that. And uh, I didn't expect that. And a short time after that, I was called to a meeting to kill one of the people in the crew. I was given the contract. It was my first hit. And they told me, can you take care of this? When, when, you, when, you, when you get the order to kill someone, and of course it's your first killing, how, how are you feeling about that? Like, you know, are you nervous? You know, what's, what do you go through? What's the protocol? And how did you feel after? Well, of course, I was a little nervous. I was green. I didn't know exactly what I was doing. I mean, I understood it. I trained in the military. I was already in the military, so I had an idea. I didn't go to Vietnam, but I was trained to kill. The day I did it, the night I did it, I thought by the time this is done, I'm going to be all shaky and sweaty and concerned. I went home that night, took a shower. Went to bed, I slept like a baby. I got up the next day and I didn't feel anything. I actually felt a tinge of power, that I had power over life and death. I thought I, thought I was sick, I thought something was wrong. Why was I feeling this way? And I just thought, maybe I'm just a stone fucking cold killer. What? And, and I learned to live with it, deal with it. And I knew by being in the mafia, I knew that's what they did on occasion, I would be called. So I knew this was part of the life. And uh, I knew that this would happen from time to time. Did, did, any, did, any, did any one of the murders that you did bother you at all? Was there anybody you said, oh man, I wish I, wish I wouldn't have to do that or it, it, it just flashed back to you? No, I was uh, I was disturbed at a lot of them. You know, I said in the, in that uh, in that podcast about Frank and Chico when he was blown up in a car, that killed me. I leaned out over the coffin and I told him, Frankie, I'll never let this go. I'll kill everybody who was involved. I'll kill everybody who knew about it in advance. And uh, that's the way I felt when I saw him. So, I mean, a lot of things upset me. And uh, killing is something like, you know, that people will say, well, how are you running five businesses? How are you running the city of New York with unions? It came natural to me. Killing was the same thing. It came natural. I was good at it, like running businesses. No difference. I didn't go after legitimate people. I never killed innocent people. I never killed women or children. People within the life, and I understand we all knew the rules. When you break the rules, it's not me killing you, bro. 
you knew what the fuck you did, you would die. Now, you want me to feel sorry for you? You want me to do what? I know when I broke the rules, I could have died. Right. The way it is. What, what do you, you know, you spoke about it in the podcast that when you got called by uh, John Gotti Sr., you, you, you took a shower, and then you took a bath, and then you took a shower, and then you hugged your wife, you know, you got, you got up and you went to that meeting. Was it like you felt like at that particular meeting you would be killed? Was it, you know, because when you look at the movie Donnie Brasco, he took off his wings. He said, I'll be back. He hugged her. Do you get that same kind of feeling? Did you get no. that same kind of feeling? No, not at all. No, no. I never worried about being killed. I mean, I was worried about being killed in a street battle if cops pulled up and you're involved in something and you're going to be involved in a shootout with a, with a bunch of cops, you could be killed. But I never worried about being killed by my friends because I never betrayed them. I never lied. I never cheated. Usually you worry about it when you know you did some fucked up shit. So you're walking around with guilt. So when you're not walking around with guilt, normally you ain't afraid of things. You know, I... I one of the people, because I interviewed Johnny A. Light, and, and when I when I mentioned your name, the amount of respect that came from that man, I said, wait up, hold on. This guy, because I knew nothing, I said, wow, this guy must have been something. Then I started asking people in certain areas that I knew. The thing that I heard about John, about Sammy the Bull Bravano was always fair, never cheated you, never, ne exactly what you said, never preyed on people that were not in the life and always gave you your money. And I thought that that was everything that I had never heard, you know, in terms of being a monster. Right. And, right. and I was like, you know, when, it, when, I, when I used to do clubs in, in, in Brooklyn, the one thing I will say is I always thought there would be a problem. When it was somebody that was connected, I always got the envelope and they left, they let scoop, go do your thing, I blow the club up, make everybody party, go home, no problem. But I didn't think it was like that in businesses and other kinds of stuff in construction. But I was told that you never did that. Why did you never use your power in that way? You had all the power to do whatever you wanted. Why did you not do that? I'm going to give you a real short story. My brother-in-law was a little bit of a snake. I went partners with a Jewish guy. I mean, they knew I was powerful with the unions. So he offered me a partnership in building a small building, a high rise, but it wasn't really a big, big one. So he called me up one day. I was in the office. He says, Sammy, the job was a bastard. Everything that could happen go, to go wrong went wrong. He said, we're going to lose a nice bundle of money. So I said, well, what's my end if, if it goes under? He said, the way I figure it, you'll probably lose 250000 now, he was going to lose a, a couple of million. Right. So I said, all right, let me get back to you. We'll finish up the job. We'll see how it works out and whatever happens. Don't worry about it. My brother-in-law, when I hung up, told me, you don't have to pay him, bro. I said, why? He said, he's a Jew. What is he going to do? So I said, you're right. He ain't going to do nothing if I don't pay him. But if I don't pay him, who the fuck is ever going to want to go partners with me again? So anyway, I ended up paying the 250 to the guy. 
Right? He tried to do the right thing with me and went bad. Wasn't his fault. I paid it. A month or two or three later, another Jewish contractor called me up and he got me on the phone. He said, Sammy, the job went bad with Herbie. Yeah, yeah, it went bad. So I heard you lost 200, 300,000. No, I said, I lost exactly 250,000. That's what I lost. He said, that's about as honorable as it gets. He says, Sammy, you're a fucking gangster's gangster. And you paid it. That's a man's man. I'm doing a project and I want you as my partner. I trust you. I said, all right. P.S. I did the job. I made about 750000 on the job. But I told my brother-in-law, I said, see, if I would have never paid that two fifty, you think this guy would have gave me a, a shot? It was another Jew. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that's the way I felt. You know, if you're honorable, what goes around comes around. People will come. They'll do business with you. They'll do whatever. We're doing something now. I hope you get a whole shitload of fucking people from me to watch your show and build up your show. Oh, they don't that's, that's a man's man. That's what men do. You giving me a shot to come and talk to you, I love it. Thank you. you know, that's that's respect, and it goes both ways. When you cheat people and you do this and that's your reputation, you're going to be alone and you're going to be broke. But that, I mean, to, to have the foresight to think that way is amazing because when you have that kind of power, I, I was always told, and I was told by somebody that I consider a gangster or, or, or on the black side of things. He told me if you can kill people, you can be a millionaire. And, and he said, because you can shake people down, you can do whatever you want to do. And that's the first time that I ever heard anything like that coming from a guy who's at the top of this game. As far as the mob, how do you trust people? How do you keep your family safe? You know, what are the rules? Can they, can they hurt your family? What are the, some of the things that happen in the mob that we don't understand as civilians? No, I mean, the, the mob is, is based on honor and respect, and we, we don't hurt families. I mean, if you cooperated, I'm, I want to kill you, uh, I'm coming for you. Your wife and your kids done nothing. I'll never go near them. I'm coming for you, but I'm not going with your wife and kids. And when you do that, you know, and there's groups, you know, that, that do that, but you ain't never going to win. You, you're never going to get respect. Nobody's going to like you, love you, or care about you. It's, the, it's horrible moves. And it goes in Austria, the mafia. We, we're, we're told and we're taught. And it's inbred in us. So, I mean, I, I wouldn't even think of hurting innocent people for what you did. If you did something, bro, it's me and you. It's mm -hmm. not your... You know, you're, uh, if you want to hurt your family, that's your business. But I'm not going to hurt your family wow. or women and children. As a man who was highly feared, would you take being feared or being loved more? You know what's hard? If you're a true man and you're a tough guy, you could be feared, loved, and respected all at the same time. 
It's a hard combination to put together. You have to work at it. You have to have respect for people. And you you can't walk around like your shit don't stink. People will hate you behind your back if you're too tough. But they'll still hate you. But if you're a good man, they'll love you to your face and behind your back. Hmm. I got people calling me who I haven't seen in 50 fucking years. Still loving on me. So how bad of a guy could I have been growing up? Those people wouldn't be in my corner, especially after some of the things I did. Right, right. Now, now, as far in the in organized crime, there are many crimes that you can do. What would you say was your favorite crime of choice? What was the thing that you actually loved to do? What what what, what would that one thing be that you were really good at? And you loved to do. I was a loan shark. Uh, at one point, I had a million and a half in the street, and that I always I I did that most of my career in the mafia, and uh, I loved construction and unions and stuff like that. You know, there's there, not everything is robbing to make money. You know, construction and business. You know. Let's say you're in the mafia and you open up a bakery mm -hmm. and you're close to me. Now, you got to cook, bake, put out good product to make money and build a customer base. If you're in the mafia and you're with me, all of my people go to Fat Man's Bakery. So you're going to open up with 50, 60 customers. I don't even give a fuck if they don't like the bread. Go there and eat. Right. Go there and buy bread. So you can make money in business. I found that fairly easy to do. You know, I, I'm business-minded. I worked with construction all my life. So I understand a lot of that stuff. And uh, as far as loan sharking, I never was brutal. I mean, in all my years... 30, 40 years in the street, Shylock, I hit two guys with my hands. And the only reason I hit them was the answer I got when they didn't show up to pay the money and, and I got a little mouthy and, where the fuck were you? You told me to get the fuck off. Me too. You got me standing on the corner like a fucking jerk off. Who the fuck you think you are? Then he tells me, who the fuck you think you are? And he got <laughs> Right, right. And that happened only twice. Guys didn't have money, I would tell them, bro, we're always gonna deal with money. Don't worry about it. Give me half the payment. Don't give me nothing for two weeks and then come back. When, when I dealt with it like that, I never had a problem with people paying me money. I didn't have to hit people, I didn't have to threaten people. And then I gave it to good guys who could make money. You know, if you were a junkie, I'm not going to give you money. I know I ain't going to get it. I'm going to have a problem. But a guy like you, you're going to open up a business. You're a smart guy. I, I know mm -hmm. you're a smart guy. Right. So you're going to take my money to make money? That's a good investment. And right. I always got paid. Especially if I'm not hard. Sammy, I can't make a payment this week or don't worry about it. See me next week. Wow. So... If you carry yourself a certain way, now I got stiffed a few times, 
but it was so minor, it's not even worth the conversation. And I mm. threw it on the side. It didn't mean anything. You know, when it's very minute, it don't mean anything. Now, when, 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 when you said you, you were in the unions, how does someone, this is all stuff you have to understand, as civilians, we don't know anything. Like, if you ask me, hey, school, how do you go in a club and make 3,000 people dance? I can tell you that in 10 seconds. Because I know that. You might not know that. For, for, right, right. For, for, yeah, like I see, see Mr. Sammy, listen, I'm going to go in here and I'm going to throw on this song, this song. You grab the woman and you dance. That's my job. That's what I can do. But, you know, um, for us, we don't understand. So how can, so, how can somebody get their hand in the union? How do you get your hand in, in, in a union? Because everybody, everybody makes money with me. If I get a job... I have the Teamster Foremans at the gate. You ever see a big high rise? They got this big gate going around the whole building and the trucks go in. Mm -hmm. Now, I hire a tough guy, not a gangster, a tough guy growing up in the neighborhood. I make him a Teamster Foreman. He's at the gate. Now, that's a union job. He's controlling the gate. Now, you just go there in the morning. You have coffee. The trucks go in and out, cement trucks. Lumber, everything is going in now. So now I talk to the people who are running the company, the building the building. And I tell them, listen, I can make that gate real easy. I'd like the drywall or the painting contract uh, and X amount of dollars. No. No. So that same tough guy who I gave him the job as a team's to form, and I tell him, listen, shut the gate down. Check every truck, their taillights, their tires. See if their union dues are up to date. I want every truck at that gate 20 minutes to a half hour. Mm. Three or four hours, there's 60 trucks lined up. They call up the president of the union. Bro, you're going to kill me here. I'm going to lose my shirt. What are you doing? No, listen, the guy's doing his job. Hey, by the way, they used to call me the little guy because I'm short. Right. Did the little guy get that painting job? He right away knows. Oh, my God. Listen, the next job, let him put in a, a bid for the job. He's got it. So there's techniques you could use. I don't have to go there and threaten him with my hands or a gun. He gets the message. <laughs> I'm not to be fucked with, and I'm going to be fair with you. There was a guy, I forgot his name, a black guy. He had the coalitions. So I had a job, and he comes down with busloads of Hispanic and black guys. and they Where the was it Al Sharpton? No, no, not Al Sharpton. No, no, okay. it was another guy. He was a, a Muslim name. So he, he goes and he's shaking the job down. So I go to talk to him. And I said, bro, this is my job. He said, but this is my neighborhood. I said, yeah, I know. You're fucking up anyway for what you're doing. You don't know what you're doing here. What are you going to do by having guys with knives in the street the guy's going to call the cops. What are you accomplishing? Well, what should I do? This is your neighbor at night. Everybody respects you in the neighborhood here, right? Yeah. 
take the security because everybody knows it's your job. Nobody will fuck with this side at night, right? Absolutely. Then you'll get some guys and put them there at night. You'll tell the neighborhood, this is your job. You got guys who know how to paint, right? Yeah. Well, you'll have the security. I can get you a painting contract and I'll get you $10,000 shake to put in your pocket from the contract. Don't come here with no buses. All you're gonna find is police cars. You'll do that for me? Yep. I'm yeah. fucking, I'm fucking, I'm looking, I'm limited by this shit. Like, no, no, no saying, no pulling out a gun, no saying, listen, I'll put your fucking brains on, on a piece of paper, nothing, just listen. Do this, do this, you run this shit, okay, this your job, boom, you can pay 10 days, 10K, we good, thank you very much. I've never, I've never sure. heard anything like that. Some Zambar, whatever his name was, Zambar, something like that. Mm -hmm. He loved me after that. Then I used to call him up, and I would tell him, get that bus, go over here, and make a little noise, don't hurt nobody, make a little noise, and then I'll tell you when to back off. So I would get the contractor, Sammy, what do I do? I got this guy, he'll take care of that. Give this guy the security, give this guy the painting, put 10,000 on my contract, I'll give it to him, and I'll take care of you. So it helped him, and it helped me. Not only am I controlling the union, I'm controlling the street. So I become twice as fucking powerful, and he loved me. He was making nothing but fucking money without no fucking knives, no guns, no cops, no going to jail, no nothing. And that's everybody crazy. walked away happy. That's crazy. I remember, and I worked at Hot 97. Hot 97 is 395 Hudson Street in Manhattan. The Carpenters Union is in the same building as Hot 97. And I remember saying to myself, this is the Carpenters Union. Sammy the Bull Gravano and John Gotti finally run this shit. And 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 I just any anytime there was a union, I always used to think about that. And I was like, yo, I'm sure these guys come in here, they run this shit. Now I understand how it how it's done. Speaking of John Gotti, this was your this was your friend for many years, a guy that turned his back on you and did some things that honestly are crazy. But let's let's take it from the beginning. How did you even meet John? What was your what was your first your first interaction with John? How did you guys get Well, I didn't, I didn't grow up with John Gotti. He came from Queens. I came from Bensonhurst, Brooklyn. I met him with uh, Frankie DeChico at an after hour club. He just had gotten out of prison. I was talking to Frankie DeChico's father, who was a made guy. I was a made guy already. The door opened up to the club. John walked in with a little entourage, four or five guys. And Frankie Chico's father says, you know this kid, John Gotti? I said, I heard of him. I don't really know. And he, that's where I met him. He was a degenerate gambler. He went in the back gambling. And uh, we had a drink together before he went in the back. That's where I met him. And uh, I had a little bit of a relationship with him. But he's not one of my childhood friends. We didn't know each other back then. And uh, how did you... How did you wind up getting so close and you guys became boss and underboss? What was the story behind that? Because not many people... Well, it was, it was the Castellano hit that did it. And it was his, his problem with the boss. 
And that brought in me and Frankie Chico. Frankie Chico is another guy, Benson Hoyts, Brooklyn. Listen, mm-hmm. I'm not ashamed to say this. If you took me and my whole crew, if you took John and his whole crew, we weren't a pimple on Frankie Chico's ass. Wow. That's how tough Frankie was. And I grew up with him. He was about 14 years older than me. He was like a big brother to me. I mean, every time I was in trouble as a kid, he was there. So we, we decided, you know, to help him out and take the family over, make him the boss. I wanted Frankie Chico to be the boss, to tell you the truth. Mm. Uh, but Frankie said, listen, Sammy, we, me and you will be the power behind the throne. He could run it. He's got some brains. If he does the right thing, we'll be cool. I could be his underboss. He can't be mine. He's got this ego shit. If he doesn't do the right thing, I give you my fucking word. We'll kill him. I'll be the boss and you'll be my under. Now, there's a lot of stories that went on to get to this point. So I don't want to confuse people. I put my hand out. I said, Frank, then let's do it. And we got back to him. We told him, we'll take you back. And we'll take over the family. He couldn't do it without us. Right. We so, were too powerful. He would have so many people to fight. So my question is this. You, all of that happens. And now you see this guy morphed into this guy who's wearing fucking $3,000 suits and all kinds of stuff like that. But you're not that guy. You're like no. the sensible guy in the back. Everybody says you're quiet. You're very reserved. You're a family man. You do your business. You go home. But now you got this guy out there, and he's the Teflon Don, and he's doing this. What are you seeing in the back of your head? We had nothing but trouble from the beginning. Frankie DeChico, we four months after we killed Paul, was blown up in a car. Was killed. Yes. And we had nothing but fucking trouble. So. Yeah, I mean, it was annoying because we're a secret society and a brotherhood and we don't dress up in fucking $3,000 Brioni suits, even though we could afford it, $200 hand-painted tie. I mean, what? Yeah, I mean, at times, my son was just telling me something. Even John Gotti's brother, Gene Gotti, came to me once, Sammy, he only listens to you. We're coming down there. The FBI is putting everything on Front Street, bro. Talk to him. I said, gee, you're his brother. Go over his house at night and talk to him. He said, I tried. You know what he told me? What? Don't talk to me unless you want to talk to me about mommy and daddy. About the mob, go through Sammy. He chased him. Okay, so you, so you go, do you go to, do you go to John Gotti and say, hey, hey, listen, what are you doing? Yeah, but he's the boss, bro. I did that a bunch of times. All the old timers used to come to me and tell me the same shit. I said, John, we come by this club. Guys who were never known by the law are coming here. You're you're forcing them to come here. There's FBI out here every fucking night, news media. We're committing suicide, bro. No, Sammy, don't worry about it. That's the way it's got to be. And he's the boss. In the mob, the boss is the boss. I mean, I'm not going to argue. I'll, I'll bring up a point with you. This is your show. I'll bring up a point with you. But you're the boss of the show, bro. You tell me that you don't want to do say this or do this. I'm fine with that. I respect your position. That's, that's the mafia. You have to. And if you don't respect the boss's 
of decisions, you're gonna die. Period. Okay, so but 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 by what this guy is doing, he's literally killing all of them. So all the, the old mobsters, all the old gangsters, all the people who respect you, they say, wait a hold on. What are you doing? When do you say to yourself, we're going to get caught? We're going to get pitched, whatever you want to say. When do you say to yourself, okay, this is too much. We're going to get in trouble over this. We, I, I said that from day one. But, again, the boss is the boss. If, if that's what's going to happen, then so be it. And I dealt with that going in the street. You're always thinking that, too. You're going to die in a shootout or you're going to go get in, go to jail. But you do it. The only thing that made me change at the end, like you saw in the podcast, is when he tells me I have an idea. All this shit on the tapes, I'm going to make the lawyers blame it on you. So that the jury could look, poor John Gotti, he lost control of this fucking animal, meaning me. Mm -hmm. And you're going to just sit there and take it. Really. And that's the time I said no. Not this time. Wow. I'm not going to listen no more. Fuck the mob. Fuck you. I'm out of here. So, and that, but, but other than that time, the boss is the boss. I mean, mm -hmm. these guys, when you're called in, when you take the oath, they tell you at the oath, if you're in the hospital and your son is dying in bed, Somebody walks over to you and whispers in your ear, the boss wants to see you right now. You leave your son and you go see the boss immediately. The boss is above God, country, your family, because the Nostra is number one. And you live by that oath. It sounds strange and it probably is strange and in certain, for certain people. Not to me, it's not strange. And I'm sure it's not totally strange to you. You It's not strange to you whatsoever. No, it's, it's, you've it's been around the block. You've been around the block mm -hmm. and you know what time it is. So that's just the way the mafia is. And when I'm doing this podcast, I'm telling this podcast and saying this so people truly understand goes in Austria, the mafia. Mm -hmm. Through my eyes, there's a lot of things I'm going to be talking about and uh, we'll see. Well, I, I, I will, I'll say this. I'll say this. There's so much that I could talk about. And I, and I, and I, and I want to preface, I wanna, before I get into my two or three final questions, I want to I wanna preface this. In the, in the podcast, you talk about when you make the decision to go the other way. And a lot of people can say whatever they want to say about you, but I'm going to tell you one thing, sir, that they're not going to do. They're not going to say it to your face. Okay? They're not saying it to your face because here's the reality of it, sir. Somebody can say that to your face, you will kill them and put them in the fucking weeds and go to White Castle and have two fucking sliders with, with, with extra cheese and, 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 and you'll get some fish, fish nibblers too and it'll be nice. <laughs> How'd you know I like White Castle? Look, I, I, I just, I'm only imagining it. You're from Brooklyn, sir. How could you not like White Castle? So, so with, with that being said, it took... For you to be in that position, it took hellified guts to make that move. And I know that you, you said your daughter went berserk. How were you able to, to explain to them why you did it and what made you want to do it? I think it took years to understand for my daughter 
you know, and my son, the same thing. They grew up understanding the right way and the right thing. This was against my grain. It was against everything I taught them. So, and let me tell you, here's a problem that it just happened. Now, I got somebody waiting for me. She is drop dead gorgeous. So now, that's what the fuck you're up against now. I'm going to keep talking to you or I got this bitch waiting for me. <laughs> you going to make a move. you going to make a move. <laughs> understand, sir. Understand. <laughs> final, final, qu final question. Final question. All right. All right. Everybody, everybody, when they think of the mob, they think about hits. People getting killed, whatever you call it. We, I'm, I'm a civilian. I'm going to say killed. You guys say clipped, whacked, whatever you say. I, I, I have to take your word. How does it work? How does a hit work in terms of does somebody just go out there, shoot somebody, and that's it? Or does it have to be authorized? What do you do when you get the call? How do you prepare yourself for a hit? And what do you do after? No, the, the, the hit comes down from the boss. You're ordered to do a hit and uh, to get set to get set for it, I became very good at it. To me, nothing in the world, I'm going to just use you as an example. Don't be offended. If I got a hit on you, all I got now is your face. I have blinders on me. Nothing in the world matters to me but you. And I'm going to be the last guy you're going to see. No money, no women no families, nothing. I got blinders on. I'm going to talk to Jesus. I, I, I'm not <laughs> going to have a discussion with Jesus. Sir, the family told me I got to go. I'm, that's it. <laughs> so so when, when, when you do a hit on somebody, do you try to make it as painless as possible? Or do, oh, or, yeah, or yeah, you yeah. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not looking to hurt a torture somebody. I'm going to shoot you right in the fucking head. You won't even know what the fuck hit you. Right. I'm just a Jesus. Painless. Yeah, I don't want to torture nobody. I don't want people to suffer. You, you, that is that. Mm. Wow, wow, that's crazy. I want to and thank you for coming. I, I want to thank you for coming through. SammyTheBull.com slash links. You can get everything there. SammyTheBull.com slash links. You can get the link to the podcast. You can get the link to all the information, YouTube, everything. All you got to do is simply go there. If you're a YouTube junkie like me, all you got to do, go on YouTube, search Sammy the Bull Bravado. You will see it. Our thing podcast. I really, don't take this disrespectfully. I want to hit you, sir, for not for not putting out the podcast next week. Why not wait two weeks? <laughs> You're my man, Scoop. I really enjoyed this conversation. Someday me and you are going to smoke a fucking blunt and hang out and have a drink. No problem, sir. I will talk to you later. God bless. That's Sammy and Paul Bravado right there. I love him. Make Noise with Fat Man Scoop is produced by myself alongside Raj Kachacha and the team at creativecontentagency.com. Please support this podcast by leaving us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. I love that. And by following this podcast on Spotify and sharing links to episodes you enjoy with your friends. Do it. You can also email the show via podcast at fatmanscoop.com. I answer that. Or you can DM me at fatmanscoop. Yes, I answer DMs.